0: The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 13. Without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in... Oh, that was a good one. That was a good quote. Now, the reason that I picked that quote is because today we're going to dive into our practice achievement formula. If you've been following along, you know that we've been taking little excerpts from my recent full-day lecture in Oklahoma City, and this is the part of that lecture where I dive into my practice achievement formula. We won't have time to get through the whole thing today, but we're going to definitely get started on it. Now, the quote was from our friend and one of the founders... From the $100 bill, Benjamin Franklin, uh, the last great renaissance man of America, some have said. But Ben had a ton of great quotes, and I will probably quote him again before this show is over, I'm certain. But let's take Ben's advice and keep that quote in mind as we listen to our practice achievement formula today, and I'm going to shoot you back off to Oklahoma City. Here we go. But anyway, here's the formula. So I finally sat down and thought about it long enough that I decided there's really only four parts to any dental practice, okay? There's, and the, and the letters would be the yeah, S, P, E, N, and D. So there is three, that is the staff, right? Because that's a big part. We found out earlier that if your staff's not on board, it's really hard to get stuff accomplished, okay? So that's part one. As you this sheet that I got you guys to write on, as we go through all this, you know, I don't expect you guys to to take everything I say and go home and try to do it next week, but what I would love is like if you guys just picked, if you could come up with four things for each of these letters, write them down, and work on one of those things each quarter, at the end of the year, a year from now, you would have you'd have 16 really good things done in your practice that would surely help you. The second part is patience, okay? Because without patience, there is no practice. Environment is a big one. Environment is a big one because it is very possible to put a good team in a bad environment and that will not work. But you can put a subpar team in a great environment And that subpar team will actually rise up and become a better team. Maybe they're just subpar because you didn't do enough good stuff teaching them, right? Uh, And the doctor. The doctor is the last part. And I put that on there because just like if you want to do like Dr. Ted and you want to run wide open and have 20 people in the parking lot at a time, hey, go for it. If you want to do like Dr. Brian and you want to work two days a week and go fishing a lot, do that but you need to figure out what you what makes you happy because at the end of the day if you as a doctor are not happy what's the point what's the point of any of this right and the three questions i want you to think about as we go through all this are how would you how do you want your practice to look how do you want to live your life in general and then once you get everything cooking like along those lines how would you like to grow And that would be sort of grow in significance and contribution. And probably, because I can assure you, and I do appreciate, man, I appreciate the Oklahoma City Dental Society paying me this nice honorarium to come talk to you guys. I do appreciate that. But, I mean, i got to drive 10 hours both ways, and I took a day, you know, a day that I could have been working, and I'm here. So, if you think about it, there must be some reason that I do stuff like this besides the honorarium money. And it's really just because I love to, I love to sort of spread this message and help people do better in their own practices. And I guess that's kind of what I've, once I got my practice going good and I got, you know, got my setup where I wanted it for my uh, my life, then I'm thinking, well, now it's time for me to go help other folks. And these are kind of the symbols. So as we go throughout, like I'll put these symbols up on a slide or something, just kind of let you know what category something falls in. But that's the staff, the patient. I guess that patient one is kind of like a symbol of there's a lot of patients out there and uh, you know, you're know you trying to find the right patients for your practice. And of course you get the globe, environment, Al Gore, and then the doctor. So the new patient life cycle. So let's think about the patient. This is all about the patient part right now. We got to figure out, and I, last night, I have to warn you guys, because I forgot something to draw on. So last night I actually drew some little sketches on my iPad and put them on here and they're pretty ugly, but uh, they're coming here in a minute. But to fully understand where the new patients are coming from, or any patients are coming from, period, you've got to kind of understand where they start at. So this is the first ugly drawing of the day, all right? So way over here on the left, you've got the patient pool. So out there, anywhere you work, Oklahoma City's got more than most, but anywhere you're working, there's a pool of folks that might, could be patients at your practice. Now what you're always trying to do is you're trying to pull out a patient from that general pool by some form of marketing, okay? It could be direct marketing, it could be indirect marketing through referrals, that's always the best, but you know, sometimes you gotta get the ball rolling with external marketing. Then. Once you have attracted a person that thinks enough of you to actually call your practice, you have to make sure that however that person tries to connect with you, whether it's by phone or these days it could be by text or email or contact form on your website even, you have to make sure that your systems are down on that process so that they actually finally make it to the building, the practice, right? Because we're still not doing... uh, digital outsourced dentistry yet and then once they get to the building then there's a whole lot of stuff that has to happen inside the building so the patient has a really good experience so that when they leave the building they decide to come back to the building and stay your patient instead of going back to the general pool right because that can happen it happens it happens to everybody happens to me all the time i had a patient this week had been my patient For, since 1999, I had done 15 crowns on her. Her husband's insurance changed. I I was on their PPO, and it changed to one I'm not a member of. But it still would have paid for the cleanings, and that's pretty much all she needed. So she came into my, I hadn't seen her in a while, and I hadn't thought about it. She came in, whatever, Wednesday, the last day I worked. She came in Wednesday, a crown I did in 1999 had fallen off. It was a solid gold crown. She'd worn a hole in it, and it came off. And she said, I just thought I should come to you for this. She said, you know, I I had to stop coming here as a regular patient. I said, what? She said, yeah, she said, I'm sorry that I'm not, you know, you can't see me anymore. I said, what are you talking about, Maggie? She said, well, I got this letter from from my husband's insurance and said that uh, I had to go to one of these dentists on this list and you weren't on it. And so I said, okay, she said, but I went to him. I didn't like him very much. I was thinking about coming back to you anyway but i i just hate to pay for it 100 out of my pocket and so i said well a you know i am not a member of this ppo yes but you know your cleaning stuff would still be covered and it still covers you it's just you don't get as big a discount Uh, but i said you know what you know i'd work with you you've been my patient since 1999 and she said are you serious? And she's like getting red in the face, getting mad, because she, she like misunderstood this insurance company letter. And in her mind, it was saying that she was not allowed to come to me anymore, right? And she, the reason she didn't, I said, why didn't you call us and ask us? She said, well, I was so embarrassed, you know. I love you guys so much. I, just, I was just embarrassed to call and say I was going somewhere else. So that is the kind of thing that's going through our patients' minds, guys. I mean, it sucks. It's not right. But it's, that truthfully happens. Anyway, to make a long story short, she went ahead and she canceled her insurance. She dropped her insurance and she ended up, uh, before she left, she signed up for my in-office uh, dental membership plan, which I'll talk about later this afternoon, which is awesome, by the way. Are you guys, are you guys doing that? You do that? Does it work good up for you guys? <laughs> well, Hey. You know, uh, yeah, you can do you can do anything wrong. I'll show you. I'll share with you guys what I did. I actually doubled my memberships. Two years ago, I doubled them from 350 to 700 in six months. And I'll tell you guys what I did to do that. So anyway, let's see. I bet these guys are getting ready to bring lunch in seven minutes. All right. So that's the patient life cycle. So here's the new patient. Now, like I said, I apologize for these drawings. This is last. This is. But this is, uh, uh, you know, I I was testing out the the new iPad Pro Pencil, and so this is what I came up with last night. Like I said, there's a bunch out there, even if you don't think there are. How do we get them? So, who, I I mean, do you, I mean, this has been done to death, and I hate to even go over it, but it's really, every price I work with, there's generally an issue here, so I may as well go over it. But how many of you guys feel like you have a really good handle on what happens at your incoming phone calls? Or do you? You think you do? You might. Your girls are here, <laughs> so, so maybe you do. Uh, a lot of places don't, and so I'll just share with you guys what is not supposed to happen on the incoming phone call. Because think about it: this person likes your practice enough to try to try to connect with you. Do you think at least we at least owe it to them to try our best to let them connect with us? But the goal on this is not to verify their insurance. Okay, I cannot tell you we've lost so many patients from people they'll call in we ask them a thousand questions part of that's verifying their insurance we used to do that we used to do their medical history and what's the argument for that you guys do y'all anybody know what the argument is for why you would ask somebody a thousand questions on the phone the argument i hear all the time people say well if we don't ask them the questions when they call in then when they get here, it takes forever to verify their insurance or get their medical history filled out. Of course, these days there's cool stuff you can do with medical history, like you get it off your website and all kinds of stuff like that. But you'd be surprised. There are still like, a lot of practices out there when somebody actually calls your office, the receptionist probably starts ignoring whatever, you know, some, a, a human being is standing there Instead of being a concierge and giving them a great experience that are already standing here, they're on the phone asking somebody who may not even show up for their appointment a thousand questions. Right? And what we have found is my staff resisted this forever. But what we found was we actually measured it. And so we took 30 people that they did it their way. They asked a thousand questions. Eighteen of them showed up. 30 booked appointments, 18 showed up. We did 30 my way, where we pretty much said, oh, that's great, yeah, when can you come in? All right, now, that'd be great, okay, we'll see you then. So out of 30 people made appointments, 25 of them showed up. Okay, still five didn't show up, but that's going to happen. That's just going to happen, I don't care where you are. So we had, obviously, way more showed up now You spend all that time on the phone with the seven people that never showed up. What difference does it make if it would have taken you longer when they got there to ask them questions or verify their insurance? They didn't show up. You wasted precious resources when you could have been using those resources for something else on those seven people. Um, Our goal is not to make sure they're a good fit for our practice. Now, I'll give you a caveat. Um, If you're in a heavy Medicaid area like I am and people are asking you, do you take Medicaid, absolutely i'm okay with saying no <laughs> you know if you don't want them but because you can run into trouble there uh, but pretty much if it's not that i mean well, i'd like to take everybody because i can't tell you how many times farmers that have pig manure on their feet on their boots getting it on my brand new 8-8 chairs by the way will whip out will whip out a fold of 100 dollar bills and pay off a 1500 hundred dollar. Uh, Crown and Root Canal with cash. You know, that happens all the time. So we don't prejudge anybody. Uh, We don't stress them out and I really think that a lot of like those seven people that didn't show up, I think the reason they didn't show up is because we stressed them out. I mean they're thinking, oh crap, they're asking me all these questions, maybe they don't want me there. You know, I think that could be it. You could be careful you don't schedule an appointment they're not ready for. If you pressure somebody into an appointment, you're just asking for a no-show. And I don't know how many, has anybody in here do these mystery calls where people call your office? You do everything. (laughs) All right, so this happens nearly 100% of the time. Your staff, they're not stupid. So they know if you've hired somebody to do mystery calls at your office, they know that as the doctor, you're gonna get a report every month, okay? So in these cases, if you don't do it, you may not know what I'm talking about, but every month the doctor gets a report and they've graded out. Somebody has called the office, pretended to be a patient, recorded it, graded it, and told you what you do wrong or told you what Susie does wrong. So the staff knows that, right? So they figure out, you know, either if it's the area code that they're used to getting the mystery calls on, which is usually not your area code, or if it's uh, like blocked, they know, ooh, blocked call. I'd better be on, my, be on my toes and do it right. But the rest of the time, they do it how they want to do it. I guarantee you. So uh, the goal is not to get a perfect score on the mystery call by doing the scripts exactly right. The goal is to get them to actually come show up at your office, okay? That's the whole 100% goal. And there is my new office, guys, after the old one burned down. It's so pretty, isn't it? Uh, I'm proud of that. The only thing that survived is this plaque. I prized that off the wall of the one that burned. That's the only thing that, that made it through the fire. All right, so then the next part of the lecture is going to be primarily about going through the in-office stuff, which is actually what I'm really good at. But. All right, so, yeah, their first impression is they want to do business with you because they like you. That's the whole point. Make them like you so they'll hopefully stay there forever. Um, we have found empirically that gifting does improve our referral numbers because when we do it, our referral numbers are higher. And when we don't do it, our referral numbers are lower. They don't dip off the charts, but they do dip. So years ago, um, when I was heavy into external marketing, there was a a period of time where I thought I was a genius. Uh, From about 2005 to 2008, we averaged 150 new patients a month. And that's a lot. And that's a lot. We were working three days a week, too. That's really more than you need. That's more than you should have because when you're trying to run 150 new patients through there and do any kind of reasonable treatment plan on them, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough one. Um, but we did it. Now over time, I'll just tell you, I mean, this is so silly, but I'll tell you what I did. I haven't been able to create lightning in a bottle twice. In 2005, I started advertising free exams and free x-rays. And for whatever reason, it just hit and it was so good. Um, But over time, that stopped working as well. And, you know, I never really loved the offer anyway. It just worked so well, I hated to quit doing it. Uh, But as it quit working, we jerked it off the market because I kind of got tired of doing it anyway. But what we were able to do is we were able, now my practice is almost uh, 75% of my new patients come from referrals each month. So we get about 40, 45 referrals every month. So my new patient numbers are way down, however, Actually, my production numbers are up a little bit from then because the 150 new patients a month, a lot of them, you know, just wanted the free exam, free x-ray. Now, I was willing to do it because a good many of them converted into great patients. But it's a lot easier practicing when you get 60 new patients or 65, 70, and you're not running your head off. The referrals, they are just plain old better when they get in there. I remember the, the good old free exam, free x-ray people, gee whiz, they were hard to convert. But these referral people, they pretty much, it's not a question of whether or not they're gonna accept treatment. It's just a question of whether or not they can afford the treatment that you're recommending. And uh, I may not always do exactly what I want to on them, but if they come in as a referral, it's almost a slam dunk. They're gonna stay and do something. I think it is good. If you can come up with your own way to roll out the red carpet for your new patients whoever they are Um, create your own unique new patient experience now that handout and uh, I don't see nearly enough people writing on those so when you leave here man it's gonna hurt my feelings if y'all don't have at least something written down to take home with you but flip that over and you'll see this is a sort of a flow chart I printed off for you guys this is this is our office that's the new patient experience in my office. So we kind of we charted exactly how that should look from the second they walk in the door to the second they leave. So that's, that's I call it the new patient experience choreography. Um, let's see, start up here with the prospect, we talked about the phone call, you know, it goes without saying, you wanna make sure that you're treating people right, especially in a small town, if you're in a small town, because you want the right reputation. People already trust you when they get there. You want your building to look right. You know, it doesn't have to be the nicest, newest building in town, but it needs to look professional and nice. Uh, When they show up, we're gonna go ahead and give them their paperwork. We're gonna do the gifting. Now, when I had my old office and it was kind of a beehive of mishmashed carpentry and, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't super nice. I wasn't as big on the tours, but yeah, when I got my new building after the fire, yeah, we we like to lead them back and show them everything. And I even put my sterilization room right in the middle with two doors. You know, as you walk by, you can see see in, and it's good and bad. If your staff is lax on keeping your sterilization room really nice, it's bad, because, you know, that would be bad. If you can keep it looking pristine, though, the people walk by like, wow, you must be really you know, you're keeping stuff really sterile and clean. That's awesome. So we do a new patient tour now. Um, there needs to be some sort of a system for the way the staff retrieves the patients out of the waiting room. I think, you know, this is stuff that nobody does that makes a big difference. Like, if you have, let's say you have a main assistant who's awesome, right? You, know, you probably have one person that you like better than everybody else, right? I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> But let's just say, for example, in this mythical dental practice, there is one person who's great. And you're thinking, okay, she's probably gonna do everything. But the truth is, you got probably three assistants. And one of them uh, talks like that character on Fat Albert. you know, it was like, you know, you can't understand them. Well, if you'll take the time on a, you know, we have training days every Thursday. So if you gotta take the time and just take 15 minutes and run through, Uh, you know have somebody sit in the waiting room and have the assistants go and open the door and say hey mrs jones we're ready for you come on back or whatever you decide the script is for your office if you would just practice that i can assure you the university of oklahoma doesn't just go up on saturdays and play football without practicing all week right Uh, i know it's if you had never done it it sounds weird but a little practice goes a long way Uh, we'll talk about the route board in a minute Uh, Radios, anybody in here use radios in the office? This is amazing, this is great. I've never talked to a group like you guys that don't. Some of this stuff, I've never seen it. Uh, Anyway, the radios, um, one way we improve speed of communication between the the people in the office is we all wear the radios in the ear. Have you seen them? Kisco sells them. Um, Generally speaking, the doctors buy them. The staff says, I can't wear this. And then if they, the doctor says, oh, OK, well, I'll get you the more expensive earbud that you can wear. And then they say, I won't wear this because they just don't want to. But you have to stand firm. If you, if you think it's important for communication to go faster in your office, just stick with it. I promise they'll get used to it. Um, I have one, one girl that's got kind of smallish ears. I didn't know there was such a thing. But she's, she's like, Dr. Griffin, I got such small ears, this won't work. So anyway, we finally found an earpiece she could wear. Uh, if it's important stick to your guns Um, introduction to the doctor it's good to practice this one have the way the assistant or whoever the hygienist the way that when you come in the room that you're introduced to the patient i mean yeah you can just walk in and say hey i'm dr smith but also the assistant who's already made conversation with them figured out that her niece and her daughter are in the same Taekwondo class, you know, and they went, you know, to the same high school or whatever. They figured all this out already, so they're already kind of connecting, and that's a good thing, right? So then you walk in, the person doesn't know you yet, but they already like the person that they've been talking to. Well, it's extra good if that person will just do a little quick introduction. Hey, well, you know, here's Dr. Griffin. And, you know, I was telling you, Dr. Griffin, here he is, and you know, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Whatever script it is that you come up with that you think's good, practice it. Practice it. Take a few minutes every week until you get it down, and then every month or two, take a few minutes to practice it again. Uh, patient exam. There's a lot of different ways to do this. I'm not sitting here telling you this is the only way to do it. I kind of go at things, uh, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that sits down and does a full mouth, and I do a full mouth exam, but I'm not the kind of guy that sits down and does a full mouth exam, prints out a gigantic treatment plan, and then presents it to the patient and says, hey, here's your treatment plan. Would you like to give me 15 to $20,000 to do this? I mean, I'm just not that guy. So I usually start out doing some really casual, you know, it's a three step deal for me. First step, chit chat, glance in there, ask them what their chief complaint is, Uh, but I don't use the word chief complaint. But, uh, you know, I do that, and then I'll, you know, then that that was just my get acquainted first part of the diagnosis. And then I'll leave the room, and my assistant will take an x-ray, and then I'll come back in there, and I'll do the full mouth exam with the x-ray, and I'll chart everything, but I don't sit there and say, uh, you know, I don't say we got a lot, we got to go... I have to go cipher on this gigantic thing because I don't have a clue how much this is gonna cost. I mean, I'll usually say things like, well, you know, you were telling me that uh, that tooth on the upper left's hurting and we're gonna take care of that first. Let me go back and, and, and we'll get your, We're going on we're gonna work on this first appointment for you and we'll figure out how much the cost is gonna be on that or whatever. I mean, very, very simple stuff and then we do finally present we do finally get around to presenting the case. And generally speaking, I mean we do we do really good. I don't know. I think our I chart case acceptance percentage. Does anybody in here chart that? Okay, so that is that is the beginnings of the practice achievement formula. Now I hope everybody's staying with me on this. Just to recap, make sure you're paying attention. The formula is spend, S-P-E-N-D. S stands for staff. P stands for patients, EN stands for environment, D stands for the doctor. If the doctor's not happy, why are we doing this anyway? So the worksheet they're following along with in Oklahoma City, I'm going to put that on the show notes page. I hope everybody has a chance to download that. Look at it. If you have an opportunity, if you will actually go through this exercise for your practice, I promise you it's going to make a big difference. I hope everyone takes advantage of that. We're not through with the formula at this point of the lecture. We're going to continue on next week as we go to part two of the practice achievement formula, and we're going to knock this thing out to where you actually have an opportunity to apply it to your life and your practice. I'm really excited about it. I know it's going to make a big difference in everyone's practice. So please take advantage, okay? All right, everybody, we had a great time this week. We will see you next time. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice so when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of the Chris Griffin Show where the doctor is always in.